0: This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Well, 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 here we are. Happy New Year. (laughs) It's the 1st of January, 2023 and it is about damn time that i shared with you my last drinks story. Hi, my name's Maz Compton. I've been hosting this podcast for a little while now and i've absolutely loved every minute of it. I learned so much from my guests um, about myself, about sobriety, about the you know the compound benefits of going sober. And i've had just no time to tell my story because <laughs> it's been so busy. But I thought today would be the perfect day because today is the eighth anniversary of my last drink. I've been sober for eight years and it was such a bloody good decision that I made, but I didn't come to it easily. So my last drink was on New Year's Eve 2014. To give you a bit of context before I tell you the juicy story, I in 2014, was hosting a national drive show on radio with my radio counterpart, Dan, at the time. We were the Dan and Maz show, and we had absolutely tipped to be the next kind of hot thing in radio. And the national drive show was no small thing. That was a job that Hamish and Andy used to do, who are radio gods and absolute heroes, in my mind, as, you know, radio hosts and duos go, they're the best of the best. So to be doing the job that they used to do was a really huge deal. I'd also been working for about six years on this sort of really steep incline trajectory of radio. Um, Prior to that, I'd been at MTV as a VJ and I had called time on my VJing career as I was about to turn 30, because I was like, I don't want to be the chick that's 30 that's on MTV. I don't want to white knuckle it. I don't want them to replace me with someone younger and hotter and skinnier. So I tapped out of MTV and I tapped into radio, Learned the craft, um, got, you know, paired in, um, in a team and then another team. And then eventually um, the Dan and Maj show was established and and very quickly we found ourselves on National Drive and it was a huge job. And this was the height of my alcohol use disorder. Up until 2014, I mean, I had just drunk pretty much every day and for a number of reasons that I now understand. But my drinking behavior was normal in the sense that Everyone I was socializing with or associating myself with would always drink as well. We would go out and party and we'd get home and nothing bad really ever happened. Um, You know, there was no disaster. There was no quote unquote rock bottom. Um, But there there was a catalyst for me to question my relationship with alcohol. So let me tell you about the last drink and then I'll go back to the catalyst. So the last drink... New Year's Eve, 2014, I had a Corona at about 11am, <laughs> which was kind of normal for a big day of celebrating like New Year's Eve. And I, I had planned for that to be my last day of drinking for a while. I'd planned to take January 2015 off booze. I was with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. So Glenn and I, um, we were at Manly, we had a Corona Before we got on the ferry, then we went over to the city and we met up with friends for lunch. And we had this fabulous, fancy, wonderful lunch and champagne and wine. And then we um, went from the restaurant into the beer garden at a hotel. And then it was getting later in the afternoon. And I had been um, gifted tickets to go and sit under the harbour bridge for the fireworks. So I think, and this is where the details get a bit hazy. I think we missed the nine o'clock fireworks, I think. And so <laughs> at some point we left the Tilbury Hotel and we made it across town. We were on foot. I think we had a bit of an argument about something. I don't really know what. I probably was being annoying because I was so drunk by this stage. But we did eventually get to Dawes Point Um Almost didn't get let into the VIP area because I was quite wobbly on my feet by then. And I remember, I remember going up to the bar and I wanted a bottle of champagne and the barman was like, maybe you should have some water. I was like, okay. And at some point we did get a bottle of champagne and we finished that at some point too. And we saw the fireworks. So it must've been midnight. And so the champagne would have been my last alcoholic beverage, uh, the bottle. Uh, that I shared with my now husband. And after the midnight fireworks, we got a taxi home and it took forever and I just remember being really cranky because I was tired and my feet were hurting and my dress was too tight because I had that, like, all-day boozing, puffy face and just felt gross. We eventually got a taxi back to where um, I was staying because I'd just moved from Melbourne to Sydney to start a new job in 2015. And so I was staying in a hotel. So we got back to the hotel, crashed out and woke up at some point in the morning the next day and happy new year. I'm pretty sure I ate a margarita pizza for lunch and then went back to bed and just catnapped all day in the aircon. And I remember thinking like, thank God I don't have to drink for a little while. Now I do remember feeling... An overwhelming sense of relief, like, oh, I'm here. I don't have to do this anymore. And what I'm realizing as I tell this story, which I actually haven't really told, is that was the start of this whole journey for me. And it was the best decision because so many amazing things have happened since then. So many amazing things. And I think day one was easy because I was hungover and i'd planned it cuz i'm a planner day 1 was really easy you know day 2 was easy too cuz i was like yeah i'm not drinking this month and i was really excited i think you know it was a, it was almost like a novelty like i'm not drinking come at me and i had no plans to drink you know i i hadn't there was nothing really on until i started at work mid that month so I had this beautiful gift of time where I didn't really have to be anywhere. I could just like hang out at the beach and, um, everything's better at the beach and it was the summertime. So it was, you know, it was beautiful days and I was in holiday mode and it was just nice to have a different tone to my holiday where I just, you know, wasn't drinking cocktails in the afternoon. And I found that in those first two weeks, I did a lot of journaling and a lot of sleeping and I was really tired. Um, And so I just kind of caught up and I think my body recalibrated and my brain recalibrated and I started this new job and I hit the ground running in the new job. And I think because the new job was so busy, I didn't have time to really drink and I It was easy in a way to just go, no, I'm not drinking right now. And it was, I was really bold in how I explained that to people. It's like, I'm taking a month off. Like, I don't want to have an argument with you. Let me be. And I think because I'm quite a strong person, um, I'm quite a strong personality. People were like, okay, I'm not going to argue with her. A few people did argue with me. A few people said some really shitty things like you're boring and like call me when you decide to be fun again. And that wasn't really helpful. But I think because I had been, I'd been questioning my relationship with alcohol for a whole year by that stage. And I had been wondering how the hell to stop drinking. I think I was so relieved that the, that sense of relief of like, okay, well, I'm actually just not doing it. And that's my choice and kind of leave me alone. I think that that probably came across a little bit in those first few weeks and you know it is it is what it is. I wasn't following a handbook. There was no for me there was you know 8 years ago there weren't podcasts really that I knew about. Um there wasn't there wasn't certainly in my circles a, a sober community that was vocal and empowering to to be around or to tap into. It was um It was just like, suck it and see, you know, like decide to be sober and see how you go. And I kind of had to make it all up. And I think that's why I'm so, so incredibly passionate about helping other people get to their last drink because I know how life-changing mine was. So that was my last drink. Um, And leading up to that, I just want to explain the catalyst. I'll probably cry again Um, but it is absolutely worth mentioning that so when people you know they say like oh you quit drinking like what happened like did you hit like what was your rock bottom moment and not everyone has one and I know I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast who did have a rock bottom like an actual rock bottom and I didn't really hit a rock bottom with my drinking I just knew for a few months in 2014 that I didn't want to do it anymore like I would. I would get to the weekend and be like, oh, my God, it's Carly's birthday. I don't even want to go because I don't want to drink. And then I would be like, oh, I'm a bad friend because the the idea of going to my friend's birthday and not drinking was impossible. So it was like I don't want to go and drink, but I can't not go. And I really felt trapped in that cycle and in that um, headspace for a really, really long time. For months and months and months I was sort of like torturing myself Um, and then, you know, sometimes I would go and drink a couple of drinks and then leave early and then then all the questions like, oh, you, you know, ghosted early, what's wrong with you? And I was exhausted. My job was so huge and so big and I did not feel worthy of it. So I was dealing with all of these imposter syndrome feelings and, and I, I don't know, I just, I was still kind of a bit like I used to be the girl on MTV and I'm now the girl on the radio and I didn't still really know who I was. I just knew like what I did and that mattered to people. So yeah, 2014 was a really just up and down roller coaster year and I was just hanging on for dear life going, well, I've signed up for this and and in a way if this is going to be the next 10 years of my life, this is going to be really hard. And as much as I, there were some amazing moments like, Julio just breaking into song in the middle of an interview and singing for 20 minutes and um, you know interviewing some really big deal stars and traveling to Dubai. and I mean, it was an amazing year for my career. We did some really amazing, wonderful stuff and I'm so grateful, but I drank at it all and I didn't drink I didn't drink and black out all the time. but I just had to have a glass of wine. Um, and then in, towards the end of the year, it was like, I, you know, I would drink a bottle of red wine and, and kind of feel okay-ish, you know, I'd go to sleep afterwards. I, I stopped going out actually. I I kind of became a bit of a recluse towards the end of that year. And then my friend died and it was horrendous. Um, and I'm writing about this in my book, um, which is going to be published through the wonderful people at Wiley Publishing. So I have signed a publishing deal um, based on the success of this podcast, which I'm very, very grateful for. And I tell this story in in epic detail in the book. And I'm, I won't go into all the detail now, but just to say that my friend died suddenly and it just threw me. I just It was really hard. It was really hard. And this friend, you know, his loss just knocked me for six. And I realized that I didn't have any other coping mechanisms. Like I didn't have anything else to lean on except for booze to get me through the grief and the pain of losing someone who I loved. And so when Mark died I drank a lot and then I really thought to myself I can't keep doing this. And he died in early September 2014. And so from that moment I really started thinking about okay well how else do you cope with feelings of grief and Feelings of like a, a an overwhelming lack of self-worth. And while we're talking about feelings, the abandonment I felt when my dad moved overseas and remarried after my parents broke up and the fact that my parents broke, you know, like all of this, I started just thinking about my feelings and how there were so many big ones and so many Uh, unprocessed ones, and I realized I was just avoiding all of them and drinking because that was the only thing. It's like the only tool that I had was alcohol. And so from there I really started questioning, like, am I okay with my relationship with alcohol? Absolutely not. Do I think I could live without alcohol? Absolutely not. Then what does that mean? And I remember I Googled, am I an alcoholic? And I read like a bit of the AA manifesto and I was like, well, no, I'm not an alcoholic. That's not helpful. And without, you know, identifying what I was, I just knew that I was, I was just uncomfortable with my relationship with alcohol and I was over it. I was so over it. And I realized, you know, what you've got to do is you've got to make a change because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so looking back at 2014, I was like, well, I know what it looks like when I drink all the time. I know how, you know, my social life looks. I know how my work life looks. I know how I feel. I know how I am. I know, I know what that looks like. And I don't love it. It's not amazing. And I don't think anybody would have looked at me at the end of 2014 and God, God, she's a mess. You know, she's a total train wreck. She just needs to pull her head in. I was really good at hiding it, um, but I looked in the mirror and I just didn't look great and I didn't feel great and I was sad and I felt alone and I thought, oh, I just need to change something. So if I know what my life looks like with alcohol, I'll stop drinking for a bit and see what that looks like. And it, re- it really was that simple a decision You know, stepping it out in real time was trickier, but I did a few things. I told my mum and my at-the-time boyfriend that I thought I had a drinking problem and that I was going to do something about it and that I would really love their support. And they were both very shocked, but totally supportive and at the time, my boyfriend was living in a different state. So I was in a long-distance relationship, so it was pretty easy to, like, drink during the week when he wasn't there without him knowing. So he he kind of didn't know. My mum definitely didn't know how much I was drinking, but I was honest about it with them. And I then set the date. And I said, okay, I think I'm going to do the first month of 2015 alcohol-free. I uh, After two two or three weeks after Mark passed away I got offered the Sydney Breakfast show which is Mark was my manager I don't think I mentioned that Mark Byrne was my manager who passed away um Mark had told me seven years before then I can hear you on the Sydney Breakfast show so to get offered the job like three weeks after he died was so hard again like I almost wanted to say no but you can't say no you know because then they'll give the job to someone else So I said, yes, um, which is why I moved to Sydney. And so I thought, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, I'll move to Sydney. I'll stop drinking for a month, start this new job and see where things are at. And that's a good way to start a new job, you know, totally sober and new city, new way of doing things. So I had this beautiful luxury where when I moved into my new apartment, I, it was like a full fresh start. So like, I didn't have any alcohol in that apartment. So like that first week of January, I stopped drinking and I moved into my new place and I never had a drink in that apartment. I never had a drink since. But at the time it was really, it was a nice fresh start. And I I know for people, you know, they don't always get these Sort of do. I had this do over. I like start a new job, and in that new job, I never had a drink, and in that new apartment, I never had a drink, and I really had this clean slate. And I know that that was such a such a luxury, and I know that that's not you know the case for e- everybody, but for me, I was so glad that that was the case. um So yeah, it was a really big, it was a really big thing. You know, I went from drinking every day to to not drinking at all. And I was really scared. I was like, what if I'm not good at my job sober? What if I don't have any cool stories to tell? Or what if I don't have anything quote unquote fun to talk about? And that's all just BS in your head. The life I've created in sobriety is just, I mean, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't trade it for anything. It's just such a good life. And it only exists because I had that last drink. And the last drink I didn't know would be my last drink. The last drink was my last drink for a bit. But what happened in that first month of not drinking is like, I I remember waking up one day and I've shared this story with Yumi Steins on the podcast and it's like this light went on and I felt clear in my head for the first time honestly in my adult life, like maybe for the first time in like 15 years. I felt the most clear-headed I had ever felt and something switched and that was the paradigm shift where I was like, I like this. I like who I am. I'm looking better. I'm feeling better. I'm still sad about Mark. I still really miss him. But I feel like I can handle the grief a little bit better. I feel like I'm managing my workload a little bit better. I feel like I'm, I don't know, a little bit more switched on in my radio partnership. I feel like I've got a level head. And it was all of these little things that added up to me going, I'm just going to see how far this goes and how good I feel. And I kept going. And so I got to my birthday in March and we played bowls at Clavelli Bowling Club and I didn't drink alcohol. I'm pretty sure I went and bought beer for my mates, but I didn't drink. And I got through that kind of birthday and I was like, this is cool. I've done three months. I'm going to get to dry July. So I got to July and then it's like, well, it's dry July. And then I got to August and I'm like, let's go for a year. And then I i feel like I sailed through that first year of sobriety. Once I got my head around what I was doing and I'd stopped apologizing for not drinking and I had found fitness, I think that then they were all the things that I needed to keep going and the fitness thing was huge for me, and a lot of people in the podcast have talked about like they you find a thing, not necessarily not necessarily to replace drinking, but you find an outlet. So instead of going to the bar, I'd go to the gym. Instead of doing a lunchtime drinky poos with the girls, I do a lunchtime hit session at F forty five, and that really I found this beautiful community of like minded people who are into their fitness and. I think because I threw myself into fitness, it was this other little safeguard of, well, I'm working out today, so why would I drink an alcoholic beverage and undo all of that good? And I think that for that first year, I needed those things to keep my sobriety safeguarded. I don't need them so much anymore because drinking is just, it's just not even a question. I don't even think about it. It's not even on the agenda anywhere. It's not even in my stratosphere but definitely for that first year, I needed those things, I think, to help me get through. <sighs> I feel like this was a counselling session with myself, um, but that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I mean, that's that's my last drink story. And I, I it's like I just said, like, I, re- I really haven't said it out loud. And it's so funny. I talk to people about their last drinks all the time and I didn't realise how important mine was because I really feel like my last drink saved my life. I think if I I had kept going the way I was going, eventually it would have there would have been a rock bottom and the rock bottom may have fallen out of the rock bottom. And who knows where it ended up, would have ended up. And I'm just really glad that I made that brave choice and that bold choice to stop drinking when I did. And like I said, the life I've created, it's magic. It's, and there's tough times. There's, there's still stuff that happens that's not awesome. Um, cause that's life. But I think I have, so many other ways of processing and dealing with the big stuff in life and dealing with it well and doing it really well and being present. And, you know, we're only here for a moment and then we're gone and I want to make sure that while I am here I can help someone make a great choice for their life because I truly believe that sobriety is the best choice anyone can make. So thank you for listening and thank you for letting me be really vulnerable in this space that I've created. I love sharing this space and I love the sobriety community that, um, that I'm in touch with and that I'm creating. So um, thank you for allowing me the time to share my last drink. Take care and I will catch you next time. And Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at lastdrinkspod.